Hello and welcome to Audio Mission from Church Mission Society, bringing you the voices of God's global mission movement. I'm Trevor Smith. Our theme this month is practical spirituality, faith addressing the concrete realities of everyday life. We'll be digging into some of the financial freedom training offered by CMS Africa, seeing how it fits into their big vision. Later, we'll also talk to Mark Scandrett from the USA, who encourages people to align their time and money with what matters most, and also has an intriguing perspective on the church in the UK as an art museum. But first, we hear from Dennis Tongoy, Executive Director of our sister society, CMS Africa, who have an astonishing vision to reach 50 million families by 2050. Yep, you heard that right, 50 million. He spoke to Naomi Rose Steinberg about it and explained why what he calls holistic discipleship is at the core of this vision. Holistic discipleship is really about meeting the needs of the whole person. It's very easy for the church to focus on only the spiritual needs of the individual, but individuals are not just spiritual. Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and with man. And when the church ignores the other needs of the person, then the church ceases to be relevant. Holistic discipleship is also important in that it is important to have a renewed heart as we invite Christ into our mind, but also the mindset needs to be transformed. And a lot of people have a new faith in Christ, their hearts are changed, but their mind still gets uh, captivated or um, uh, informed by the cultural uh, values and not necessarily biblical values. So we find in Africa Christianity that's very, very vibrant and very, very widespread but um, a lot of our thinking is still very much informed by our culture and not by scripture. So holistic discipleship really helps to review our mindset, our thinking, and align it more with the scripture. So it's a discipleship that begins to affect the way we think, not just what we believe. When people have holistic discipleship, they begin to see that Christ cares for everything in their lives. Most Africans will have a plan B where the church has no answer when we address only the spiritual because they have material needs, they have mental needs, they have physical needs. And so when people are, are, are a, a disciple holistically, they see that the Bible addresses the whole of life. And one of the things that we challenge people to do is also to realize it's not just about self, but it's about loving your neighbor and um, about the church uh, being not just a place people come to, but a church that goes out to engage with this neighborhood with the love of Christ. And um, we help churches begin to realize that they do have resources what God calls us is to love our neighbor with what we have. And as people begin to do that, they begin to grow in their responsibility and they begin to see the community beginning to respond to the gospel. So talk to us a bit about the vision that CMS Africa has to, I think it's transform 50 million families by 2050, is that right? Uh, CMS Africa has a vision 2050 and we trust in God for 50 million families to be impacted through the local church in holistic discipleship around the world by 2050. Why 50 million people? Because that's going to be 2% of the world's population at that time. And sociologists will tell you that when 2% of the world is engaged in an activity, that activity has become part of the common values of the, of the society. Why 2050? Because most of us will not be around by 2050. It means that we then have to have a transgenerational change and begin engaging with the younger generation so they can carry this vision to fulfill it in their time. When you say 50 million families transformed, what does that transformation look like? Transformation is really having an encounter with Jesus Christ that allows them to experience wholeness in the economic, social, political, 
uh, uh, environment where Christ is addressing the whole of life. They begin to see Christ uh, as the head, uh, as, the, as the solution, or, or as the Lord of every aspect of their lives. So church ceases being what you do on Sunday. Church is who you are, whatever you are. And we see a lot of Christians in Africa and around the world for whom church is a Sunday activity. But uh, we believe in the church on Monday as well, where Christians see their values transforming society around in every sphere of society, whichever domain you're called to, whether it's education or politics or music or arts or uh, business or uh, sports, that people begin, begin to see that they can obey Christ and advance the Great Commission in whichever sphere God has called them to be a part of. We talk about 50 million, how do you transform 50 million families? We talk about 50 million families because the family is a building block of society and churches composed of families and nations composed of families. And so we see a training focusing on the family unit, um, helping the family unit become strong. The word economy comes from the word economia, which is the household management. And since stewardship is one of the cores of our training, we talk about stewardship of time, talent, and treasure. So our training is actually a discipleship-oriented training where we don't just motivate you, we actually work with you for some, depending which program it is, for three weeks or three months or six months to where you actually have a change in your life skills. So it's actually a life skills training uh, that we, we do as opposed to just a motivational talk. And those who've been through our training have, can actually measure the transformation before our training and after our training. So we talk about 50 million families is that this, individuals who've been through our training and are living life differently as a result of our, our discipleship they've gone through. We also recognize that each family member has an influence of at least four other family members, whether it's their children, their spouse, and so there's a multiplier effect there that each person you touch will actually influence somebody else to begin to see what Christ is like in their community. Dennis Tongoy reminding us all of the need to be church on Monday as well as Sunday and the ripple effect of CMS Africa's approach to training. Now we get another perspective on some of CMS Africa's work in setting people free from debt and worry about finances. Ed Hutton worked as an intern with CMS Africa at their Nairobi offices on his gap year. Jeremy Woodham asked him about his experience and discovered he has some CMS ancestry, starting with his great-grandparents. Victor and Dorothy Parker were missionaries with CMS in what was then Persia, which is now Iran. Um, and that's where my granddad was born. Uh, and then my granddad subsequently became a missionary um, with CMS, um, with my grandmother in uh, Ceylon, which is now Sri Lanka. Uh, and then he became, oh, he worked, I think, in Crowther Hall, uh, which is a training college for CMS. Uh, and then my mother, um, who grew up in Sri Lanka, um, did a bit of work with CMS, um, uh, I think a short-term mission placement, uh, alongside um, a few cousins of mine who now have done similar. Uh, and so subsequently, I followed the family tradition, so to speak. <laughs> Excellent. So tell me some more about what you got up to. Right, so officially I was an intern with CMS Africa, which kind of doesn't tell you anything, really. Uh, so uh, specifically, I was focusing in their financial training department. Uh, so CMS Africa have uh, run lots of different training programs. And uh, one of these is a financial training program, which seeks to improve financial literacy from a, a biblical perspective, really. Uh, tackling issues such as stewardship and so on as well. 
Uh, and so my, was my main focus was helping to facilitate these training courses. But also there was a prison discipleship program that I was involved with as well, uh, um, as well as a whole host of other things um, as an intern does. Um, I was also involved with the children's ministry as well with my local church. So I had 650 children every Sunday. Helping organise the training courses, facilitate them, what did that involve in the nuts and bolts way? Um, lots of unglamorous work on my behalf, <laughs> um, behind the scenes really, just doing lots of preparation of resources in particular, um, lots of number crunching because we collect um, financial data from our participants um, that we later go through to look at who we were um, dealing with, how we would later cater the course. Um, and then just um, doing the actual training courses, actually helping the people who were leading them. Uh, and then whilst the courses were going on, I would sit in and I was even a, uh, a student on one of them as well. So I was able to graduate with the class, which was nice. And so what's in that course? What did people actually learn to do? Yeah, yeah, good question. So um, you start with very basic things like um, who owns it all, you know, who really owns the things that we think we own, you know, in terms of a God as, as, and then that kind of expands in terms of our role as, as stewards, uh, stewards of um, our resources and our responsibilities towards them. Um, and then, you know, this is largely done through, um, initially it's just record keeping, so just keeping a record of, of your expenses, and then this progresses, um, you know, so there's a course every month and so on, you do work in between and um, you literally do homework, so you, you learn a memory verse um, and uh, you discuss it later on in the classes and you um, fill out some of the, the work programs and so on and you read parts of a book as well and and eventually you're getting to the stage where you're, you're able to write your own wills, you're able to budget and plan as well. So the end um, graduates should be able to be uh, financially literate they should be able to be have a plan to be financially sustainable as well in the long term is this a popular thing um yeah so it's a course that's really really picked up out of cbs africa's courses it's definitely the most popular you know we were working in boardrooms to working in slums you know not too far away either so there's a real variety of courses and it was just as applicable to me as a student as it was to my peers who were rural priests um, in central kenya as well so it's a really really applicable course and it's one of its growing growing popularity as well and it's looking to be um, self-financing in the future as well you know as more and more commercial ventures open up so it's scratching an itch yeah i definitely definitely there's i'd say um certainly in, in our context we can take for granted um things like basic financial literacy or the abundance of financial institutions catered to our needs but certainly um what i experience in east africa is there's a real lack of um you know basic financial literacy because you know cash economy has only really been in existence for two generations or so so there are huge problems about debt management you know whether it's people's day-to-day -day lives or whether it's they're seeking a really you know high high standard of living and so on as well so um, so definitely it's really meeting some needs there what would you say you'd you'd learn from the african christians you spent time with i think the thing that sticks out most is that faith is something to be celebrated you know it's something that we should be happy about and i think that's something that we can forget sometimes but i think what came across for me is that for them it's almost a no-brainer you know why wouldn't you be so overjoyed and so happy about 
um, you know, it's called good news for a reason, you know, and, and I found the worship there, the general attitude um, to redemption so and is so much more celebratory. I mean, here it tends to be far more reflective and that's no bad thing either, but I found it very different and refreshing almost to, to really see what it, what it means to people actually in, in terms of the receiving the good news. What was the biggest challenge of your time? I think it would have to be learning to be humble almost during my work. Um, so initially I felt frustrated at times that I wasn't feeling useful or that I wasn't doing anything or that I wasn't, my work wasn't having an impact. But I think slowly over time I realised that actually it's not about me so to speak it's not about my work it's not about me feeling useful because at the end of the day that's that's self-serving really what it's about is it's about god and it's about honoring him with your work and and following him and being obedient and in so doing serving people and serving others around you and and just trusting him sometimes when you can't see the products of what you're doing and trusting him that what you're doing is right. Ed Hutton, now back studying in the UK on the hunger for financial freedom in Kenya and learning more about joy, humility and trust. Earlier this year, Church Mission Society hosted a workshop day on practical spirituality, aligning time and money with what matters most, with Mark Scandrett. Mark is a mission leader based in California who says he's been doing experiments in mission for the last 20 years. Debbie James and Jonathan Self chatted to him about that mission and his take on the church on this side of the pond. He started by describing his own appropriately named neighbourhood in San Francisco. I've lived there 19 years and we live in an area of the city called the Mission District, which is a real neighbourhood of contrast. It's a historically Latin American barrio and it's also because it's uh, in the center of the city and it's very walkable. Um, it's newly become attractive to tech workers who work for Facebook and Apple and Google. There's a real kind of bubbling and convuls- convulsing between the old neighborhood and the new residents and uh, a lot of interesting, painful things coming out of that. One of the questions <laughs> that we wanted to put to you is um, how would you define mission? Yeah, good question. Um, Off the top of my head, I would say it is um, waking up to God's reality and joining in or participating in what what God is up to in the world. You talk about living free. You've got a new book about that. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think are the things that make us unfree? What is it that holds us back? Yeah, I think that there are some dominant scripts in Western culture that are kind of describe or define our ideas of what success is and what the good life is. And those scripts tend to be about um, materialism, consumption, more bigger or better. And they end up pushing us towards a life that's hurried, that's anxious, and that is cluttered and unsustainable. So um, I would, I also wouldn't blame it on all on culture, like that whatever, whatever culture we're a part of reflects what's going on in here. So I think there's a, there's a shadow side 
of the human condition that we believed a narrative of scarcity and a, a, a sense of desperation. Um, so it creates a hunger in us to want to control things, have a kind of fetish relationship about feeling secure and defining ourselves by whatever our collective idea of success is. So my thought is like there's both practices or that don't work pay, like pace of life, consumption habits, but also internal postures that don't work mm. that sort of are actually what's dry, like scripts that are driving us towards hurry, worry, and striving. At Church Mission Society, we talk a lot about calling and the importance mm -hmm. of call, that we mm. have a call. And I just wondered how the language and the idea of calling might be important to helping people to live free. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, um, although the, that book, Free, addresses things like decluttering your physical possessions, material possessions, and simplifying your skin spending and committing to voluntary limits to consumption because of for, for justice, equality, and uh, environmental reasons. Where we start is with the question, what is it that matters most? So we invite people in the book to really explore that question on a couple different levels. So I, I guess in short, I'd say calling relates to being free in that we're all in this process of discerning who am I, what was I made to do, and how, how can I, as the um, specific person I am, join in what God is doing in the context that I'm in. And that's what forms the basis for asking the other questions about being free. Am I spending my time on, the, on my calling? And are my resources helping me with my calling or, or going against my calling? Now, if you had the whole of the UK church's rapt attention for just, say, mm. a minute, <laughs> what would you want to say? I would say that, um, uh, well, the, the, the church in the UK, in one sense, is like an, uh, a classic art museum. There are thousand-year-old beautiful buildings, historic institutions. And, um, you know, the best way of looking at an institution is that it preserves the history of people who've been on a journey and exploring questions about what it means to be human. So that they are important. So if the church is an art museum, then it needs art to go in it. And the impulse to be a curator is a little bit different than being an artist. And so we need the church to not just see itself as curators of the history and tradition, but as creators of something so beautiful and alive that it's worth preserving the story of. So I just think this contrast is interesting that the institutions are clean, well-ordered, there's hierarchy and regulations and policies that go along with that. But where art is made is usually in the low-rent district. It's messy. It's experimental. People are taking risks. And we need to 
uh, the church in the UK needs to reacquaint itself with that posture of how we approach Jesus and his message. Mark Scandred with plenty of food for thought for mission in the UK. You might want to reflect on some of those themes. Do you believe a narrative of scarcity which makes you fearful of the future or a narrative of abundance where God will provide? Is your church more of a museum or a messy artist studio where you and Jesus are making art together? And now to bring Audio Mission to a close this month, Ian Adams, who is Mission Spirituality Advisor for Church Mission Society, offers a prayer exercise on the theme of Pentecost. Praying in community, Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, we read that the followers of Jesus were all together in one place on the festival of Pentecost. This prayer exercise focuses on the possibility of praying together as community, wherever we are. Create a simple picture album of your praying friends and take this to wherever you pray. It might be a collage of photos on a board or perhaps on your laptop or if you pray on the train, it might be on your phone. As you begin this prayer time, Pray for your friends and understand that you are praying with them. There's great strength in prayer together, even if we are separated by great distances or by time zones. And let your friends know that you are praying with them in this Pentecost season. Here's a prayer you can use to accompany this exercise. Holy Spirit of Jesus, Please care for these friends. Please carry our prayers. Please bless our community. Ian Adams. That's all for this month. Please join us next time for more Voices of God's Global Mission.